Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. I am Pastor Wright, and today we're going to look at the gospel lesson for the second Sunday in Advent. And unlike last week, this is a little bit more Adventy, so to speak, uh, the whole idea of preparing for the coming of our Lord. We get to meet John the Baptist, and this is from St. Matthew, the third chapter, verses 1 through 12. And it starts off with in the days in those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and there is this amazing statement repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand for this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said the voice of the one crying in the wilderness prepare the way of the lord make his path straight but verse 2 Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I really love this statement because John the Baptist makes a really big point that he's not the one who is going to save the world, save humanity, bring salvation. He is just the one who's going to point. He is the one who is going to reveal who is coming. And this whole idea of repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, that really means that it is here, that it has come, it is being delivered unto you. And this repenting is turning away from the former life, from the ways that one was living. And so John the Baptist preaching this is making this point that something has fundamentally changed and that we, or those who he was preaching to, need to change for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I love that imagery. And what's really interesting is Jesus will actually pick up this same phrase as he goes into his public ministry, and there'll be a little difference. Because when Jesus says it, he's talking about himself. When John the Baptist is talking about this, he's talking about Jesus, that the kingdom of heaven is where Jesus is. And what's amazing about all of this, that's exactly what Advent is all about. Advent is about the preparing for the coming of the kingdom of heaven. It is the coming of the Lord. It is the coming of all that is promised in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And that is the very thing that John the Baptist is preaching to those in Judea at the River Jordan. And he is baptizing. He is baptizing for the forgiveness of sins. He is baptizing so people will know what is happening, what is being given. Now, with this... <clears throat> We also have to remember that John the Baptist is the last Old Testament prophet. He is the one who is going to usher in the New Testament by pointing to the cross, by pointing to Jesus, by revealing the one who is promised by Isaiah, by all the other Old Testament prophets. 
And so this is just an amazing pivotal change. And we as the church should be really excited to hear this. We should be excited to see this, for this is what we are living in. We are truly living in the kingdom of heaven because Jesus has come. He has come to live the perfect life. He died to our sin. He died to our death. He died to our hell and then rose again so that we get to know that we have life everlasting, that we truly do get to know that heaven, the kingdom of heaven, is at hand. And that is where we live here and now and to come. And this is kind of hard because I don't know about you, but just looking outside or looking at the life I live, this doesn't seem very heavenly. It kind of seems, well, today it seems dreary. Today it seems hard. Where's, where's paradise? Where's perfection? Where's all the good things that are promised in and through heaven? Well, that's to come. But I do not, I, I, it doesn't mean that I don't have it right now. I just have to wait for the fulfillment, just like you have to wait for the fulfillment. And this is the resurrection. Well, St. Matthew continues, and this is verse 4. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him. And they were, they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. And again, this is just phenomenal, because we'll hear in a second the Pharisees and the Sadducees show up. But, and this is the, the but that negates all the preceding statements, this is different. Confessing sins and expecting something to happen outside of the temple, outside of the synagogue, outside of the priests, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all the, the religious leaders. This is taking place outside of all the normal things that were supposed to happen. And again, I love this because Jesus is showing that he is the true way, the true life. He is the true religion. This doesn't mean that it has to happen outside. This doesn't mean that temple worship was evil, bad, or anything like that. What this shows is who is really in control, who is really at work, who is the one who has the power. And this is the one who was promised, the Messiah. And notice he comes from the outside to come in. He meets John the Baptist in the wilderness. He goes into the holy city to be crucified. It's what we heard last week. Notice it's always the out coming in. Jesus comes outside of us to be in and with us. He is always outside to come in. And John the Baptist is no different. I don't know about you, but if I saw a man in a garment of camel hair with a leather belt drinking honey and eating bugs, I wouldn't hold a lot of stock in what he's saying. I'm pretty sure I would make my way on the other side of the street 
just to make sure that I give him a wide berth. He doesn't seem like he's all there. Now, that's, again, easy to say. But what is he doing? He is outside of the norm. He isn't the Pharisee with all the knowledge, all the trappings of the religious elite. He doesn't have the temple or the synagogue behind him. He has the full power of God's word being delivered in and through him. He truly is the servant who serves God and serves God's people by pointing them to the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus. And what's amazing about this is that by wearing this garment of camel hair, the leather belt, and living in the wilderness, he's actually removing himself from the process or from the need to be in and uh, to be a mediator of some sort. He's just the guy delivering the goods. He's doing what he's been told to do. Make way of, of the Lord. Make his path straight. All he is doing is delivering the very word of God. He is calling people to repent. He is calling them to confess their sins. And this is the preparation of Advent. This is the preparation of receiving our Lord Jesus Christ. And what this is saying is, first, we have to recognize we are in need of a Savior. And I don't want to hear, and I'm guilty of this too. Oh, I'm a sinner. That's easy to say, oh, I'm not perfect. Oh, I mess up. No, we need to really realize what that statement entails. If I'm a sinner, that means that I am at odds with God. I have rebelled against him. I am not the one who has redeemed myself. I haven't fulfilled what God has said. In fact, I am blind, deaf, and dead in my trespasses. There is no good within me by myself, by my own power, strength, reason, so on and so forth. I can't do anything. And again, if we just simply say something like, oh, I'm a sinner, oh, I'm not perfect, or, you know, things like that, we kind of minimize and it's just like, oh, my bad, I messed up. We messed up so bad that even creation itself is corrupted because of our rebellion, because of our sin. And we need salvation. We need something outside of us to redeem us, to make right what we have messed up. And we need to make sure that we do not take our sin lightly. We don't go to our father confessor and say, oh, my bad. Jesus understands. We get to go, dear Lord, have mercy upon me. Christ, have mercy upon me. Lord, have mercy upon me. And this is truly throwing ourselves, our life, our eternity on the mercy seat of Christ our Lord. And we trust that he will do as he sees fit. We trust that he will do what he promises to do, that he will redeem us that he will rescue and save us. But again, it's this recognizing of our position to him or with him. We are the ones in need of his work. We are in the ones in need of salvation, the restoration of life. Those are the things that he promises to give. 
And here again, when we recognize our sinful state, nature, and life, and put it next to the perfect life of Christ, we see how far away we are from the perfection demanded of the law. And only in Him do we get to have that promise. Only in Him do we get to have the hope, the sure and certain hope of the promise of resurrection, the promise of life everlasting. And so, dear listener, take a moment to consider your life. Take a moment to think about the sinfulness of who and what you are. And then when we do this, just for a moment, we see the immensity of God's love. We really do get to see that for the love of God, for the sake of Christ Jesus himself, he comes and covers each and every sin. Big, small, hidden, accidental, whatever. He hides each sin with his blood. And so think about this. Even if you take your sin lightly, God did not take your sin lightly. In fact, he took it so serious, he sends Jesus into our time, our space, and our flesh. And he even sends John the Baptist to prepare and make you ready for the reception of the Lord, for the promise of his salvation. And we need to be careful because we see what our natural nature does. And it really comes out in the Pharisees. And this is verse 7. But when he saw many, and he being John the Baptist, many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children of Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Again, this is just huge. John the Baptist is literally throwing the gauntlet down and saying, you Pharisees, you hold on to the works of the law. You hold on to your intellect. You hold on to the trappings of the religious rituals, and you think they will save you. The axe is already laid at the root that will cut down the unfruitful, already dead tree. Do you think you can save yourself? And I love... I love that John the Baptist is already taking away their argument. We are the people of God. We are the direct descendants of Abraham. We are the chosen people. God so loves us that he will save us just by the mere fact of being his people. And John the Baptist says, nope, that doesn't work. Repent. And live out your repentance. And again, this is an awesome statement because he's not saying, hey, Pharisees, say you're sorry. Say you're sorry like you mean it. He's saying, say you're sorry and go live out 
the change in your life, the recognizing of your sinful life and change it. Work towards the sanctified, the holy life, the life in the promise, the life in Christ, the life in the light that has been revealed in the one who has come and the one who is coming. This is just huge. And I cannot imagine having John the Baptist boldly. And I do not for a moment think that he's yelling at the Pharisees. I think he's very bold. I think he's very confident. And he makes this statement in public in front of the crowds. And he really points out the flaws in the understanding of the Pharisees. Now, again, I think this is what we do by nature. I am a Christian. I'm a Lutheran. I'm a pastor. I'm this. I'm that. God loves me because I go to church. God loves me because I give X, Y, and Z amount of money within the collection, so on and so forth. We really like to put on these airs. Look what I did. And I don't really think we do this with arrogance. I think by nature, we're sinful and pharisaical. We like to do things, and then we like to be rewarded for those things. God, did you see how well I walked that old lady across the street? God, did you see how much money I gave in the the collection plate. See how good I am. This is the life that you've given me. Look how good I am doing. And again, we've just taken God's gifts of life, God's gift of service, God's gift of love, and we made it all about ourselves. We made it all about what we think we can do. And again, verse 10 with uh, John the Baptist uh, saying, oh, I'm sorry, uh, verse 9. Uh, he says, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children of Abraham. And I, I love this, uh, again, because I think there's some imagery going on. And when we think about our sinful nature, we are born blind, deaf, we're, we're born dead to, in our trespasses. We really are as good as a box of rocks. But what does God do? He makes us living stones. He makes us true children of God. We are the spiritual Israel. We are the spiritual descendants of Abraham. And this statement that John the Baptist throws at the Pharisees, that's you. You who were as good as a stone on the side of the road have been made to be a living stone, a living member of Christ. And you have been brought into the life of God through Jesus in the revelation of the Holy Ghost. And right there, again, this is amazing because we recognize where we were. We were enemies of God. And even while we were still enemies, even while we were still sinners, Jesus comes and lives our life so that we will know his love, his peace, his mercy, his life. So how much more excited can we be in this excited anticipation season of Advent? The Lord is coming. Prepare your way. And this, again, doesn't mean that we now have to work to fulfill the law. This doesn't mean that we now have to be super pious or anything. This really just simply means 
believe in the work that God has done and given to you in Christ your Lord. Trust in his salvation. Trust in his work, for it already has been laid and put upon you. And the fruits of this faith is the fruits of worship. It's the fruit of the sanctified life. It's the fruit of the baptismal life. It is letting God's love be seen in and through all that you do. And your imagination is really what limits you. How can you serve your family, your friends, so on and so forth? The freedom that this gives you is the freedom of God's love. It is what John the Baptist is preaching. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and it is yours. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.